you losers. You trash, Bills. Welcome to Football Another F-Words. Those are words I have not said in quite a while. Football Another F-Words. I am your host, Michael Gillum, a.k.a. Mr. Lebowski. I am joined by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon. We, of course, are brought to you by BroadwaySportsMedia.com, where you can go read articles by Michael Herndon, where he breaks down things about 12 men on the field. And then people click it like crazy, which is a lot of fun. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We would really love to have you over there and check it out. We've got articles. We've got podcasts. We've got all kinds of football things for you to break down for your middle Tennessee sports, pro sports needs, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Zach is here to introduce a new sponsor for us. Hey, first sponsor for the podcast, first official sponsor. You know, when we were with that uh, conglomerate of dictators of podcasts, you know, they inserted <laughs> ads. But we have our first official sponsor with actual ad reads. Oh, I forgot about For the Ville 615. They were kind of official. But manscaped you probably have never heard of manscaped before if you listen to podcasts they are nowhere on podcasts or anything but i'm here to tell you everything you need to know about manscaped because you don't hear about it anywhere else but you're going to hear about it here if you're in the vicinity the sound of my voice i want you to hear the excitement hear the the rush that is about to come through your audio speakers because i need to tell you it's about saving your balls I can't tell you how many times I've had my pubes tugged, ripped out of my sack. Can't tell you how many times I've accidentally <laughs> scraped and burned the bottom of, of it. And then it gets to that point where like, you do that, and every time you shower, it has that little sting. And then, not only that, but sometimes when you shave, you like to shave the little uh, area around on your legs. And I am currently like look like I'm flapping my wings to the guys on the Zoom call. But the little, hair, the little, I'm trying not to make eye contact with you. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. The little hairy area around your legs as well, and you sh- you shave those, and then it gets a little all sticky and itchy. I mean, it's it's a it's a mess. It's a mess. But you want to look clean. You want to look clean for your significant other. And here's what I'm going to tell you. This is what it's for. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce all that grooming accents, all that itching, all that razor burn, all that cutting, reduced. When I tell you it's premium, I mean premium. Let me tell you something. This battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can spend Lebowski full 90-minute shave. You can go find a bear, and you can just shave that bear if you want to. If, if, I, if I kill that jungle cat, easy. 90 minutes, shave it, mount it on my wall. Anyway, I want you guys to know this. You can't get shocked. You know, if you want to you know, stand in the shower naked and trim over the, the drain, feel free to do it. If you want to sit AC Slater style on your toilet, let the pubes go right in, have fun. Even if you drop it, it's 100% waterproof. What do you got to worry about? So listen. 20% off and free shipping with the code BroadwayTN. So that's Broadway, letters T, letter N, at manscaped.com. You can make your testies their besties. Get 20% off of free shipping with the code 
BroadwayTN at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use BroadwayTN. Your balls will thank you. Was that all just a buildup for you to say besties, testies? It could be, but I also wanted to talk about killing jungle cats. Oh, I'm, I'm back. so first one to get to that, so we can get to jungle cats being murdered. Because I was really unsure whether this, where this was going. <laughs> I'm just thankful we're here. I'm thankful we're here now. We did okay. it. Okay, so that was that was something. So uh, the Titans are five and zero. All right, the transition so me, off that one, big boy. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to transition off that. Let, let me just throw this out there. For the last several weeks. We have been recording a podcast that doubles as a recorded radio show. So we have not been able to get on and just kind of, you know, I hate to say the word cut loose after that ad read, but that's exactly what we have been unable to do. So we've had to keep it trimmed up. Yeah. So we we started this morning immediately with that. Titans are five and oh off one of the wildest games I've ever seen. I I, I don't know, Mike, I just want to say, how happy I am to be watching a team that I feel like, I don't know, for the first time since I'm a teenager, that can really go toe-to-toe with literally any team in the league and is regularly hanging up 30-plus points. I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, it's, it's nine of the last 12 regular season games. They've scored at least 30 now. It's uh, it's pretty insane run. I really, I'm like you, I, I don't know how to react to this because the Titans – I've watched this team for over 20 years now since they've been in Nashville, and I was watching a few years before they moved here once it got announced and everything. This has never looked like this. It, it has never looked anything close to like this. Um, even during the McNair heydays, it was a stingy, a stingy defense, and, you know, okay, the offense will – you know, do enough. That offense was doing enough. McNair had the the really good year in 2003, so I don't want to take that away from him. But besides that year, it's been a bad, bad offense, offensive franchise. I mean, it's just been a disaster. We had the stat last year that we talked about all the time with since 2003, they hadn't ranked in the top 14 uh, of scoring offenses in a season, which is almost hard to do over that long a period of time. Now they're top five, you know, they're just throwing up, throwing up 40 points. Like it's nothing. 84 points scored in the last six damn days. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun football. Let me tell you something about this. Steve McNair, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is a far superior quarterback to Steve McNair. It's not even close. Now this is not to crap on the Steve McNair legacy, but I'm tired of people saying that this Ryan Tannehill oh, when you say Ryan Tannehill's the best quarterback we've ever had, they're like, oh, what about Steve McNair? Look, guts and glory can only get you so far. Guts and glory isn't putting up 42 points a game. And that Steve McNair co-MVP thing, I, I, I mean, you got to remember that that year, he only threw for 3,215 yards. That's not even, uh, he doesn't hold even the single season passing record for us. Matt Hasselbeck does. This is right now on its way to being the greatest Tennessee Titans single season quarterbacking performance. And he has been since he's taken over the best quarterback we've had. It's not, it's not, you're not disparaging anybody to just state facts. 
I love Steve McNair. Steve McNair is one of the reasons why I'm a Tennessee Titan, him and Eddie George, but you're right. This is a different kind of domination that we're seeing. Back then, we dominated through sheer grit. It was very much like uh, the Memphis Grizzlies grit and grind. We were the original grit and grind when it came to the Tennessee Titans. No offense to those guys. Those guys paved the way for us to be a successful franchise, which you know, we fumbled the bag for quite a quite a long time. But let's embrace the new era of Tennessee Titans that, like Lebowski said, we're talking about 40. I mean, we scored 42 points this last week. I mean, we were scoring 30, 40 points. I mean, this is this is it. And let me say something. After watching Monday Night Football, I don't want to hear anybody talk any more shit about our defense. Our defense is not as bad as the Dallas Cowboys. I have I saw the worst defense last night. And guess what? We all get to see it for seven seven more primetime uh, opportunities. <laughs> so if you missed it last night, only seven more games to watch in uh, afternoon or primetime. So <laughs> get your popcorn just- ready. I don't understand how Dak Prescott broke his leg and the defense at the same time. How does that make, how does that make any fucking sense? All right, Zach, the only thing I'm going to refute on, because I don't want to get too caught up on that, is I mean, Steve McNair pretty much had to drag this team through the mud for 10 years. So I, I, I'm not willing I to I don't know them. if he did I, all I, the dragging by himself. I mean, you're talking about a good defense. He did a, a lot defense. of that fucking dragging. He did, there were so George? many games. There were so many games that he had to dig this garbage-ass team out of the gutter and get a win. So I can't Well, I mean, Ryan it. Tannehill's done a lot of that, too. I mean, let's... True, let's, but Tan, uh, Tannehill's, Tannehill's just... You know, we're, we're just now entering the second year with him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let him go off for the rest of the year before I... Uh, before I start to declare him the best Titans quarterback. However, I, 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 let's point. stop the wait and see. This wait and see stuff. The track record does matter. The track record does matter when you're saying best best of all time. Because a guy doing it for one year is totally different than a guy doing it from for five or six years. But I will say that as far as single season performances, I agree with you. Tannehill's last, what, 16 games or whatever that he's been the starter, 17. Uh are better than anything McNair ever did. By well, it's it, and it's close. also with the fact that he's doing it as a as a quarterback. It's not like he's doing it as it with quarterback like stats. Like that's what I mean when I say no, that that, he's, the, he's, and, he's the best net passer we've ever had. And to back opinion, your accuracy stuff like that. To back your point up, I what the reason why it's so much different. It feels different. It technically is different this time. Is I'm like you. I'm. T- I'm. T- I was so tired of watching grit and grind Titans. I'm tired of it. I'm. I think we joked a lot <clears throat> on this podcast about watching Jeff Fisher style games where everything has to come down to a field goal and all the scores were 15 to 12 and it's just not enjoyable football to watch. And by the end of it, you're just completely exhausted and you need a pack of cigarettes because you're half stressed out. Now I need a half a pack of cigarettes after I get done watching these games because I can't keep up with the amount of scoring they're throwing up. I, I was watching just a clip of the end of the broadcast again for the, uh, for both the uh, Bills and the Texans game, and just particularly the Texans game, the way that the A.J. Brown touchdown pass comes and then the coin flip, which was hysterical, by the way, because Deshaun's reaction oh, of yeah. a son of a bitch. It's like you just, you knew that, that whoever was one of that coin toss. But, and then you march right down the field with Henry and the direct snap, and he's in the end zone. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck just happened here? <laughs> this is over? Holy shit, the Titans are 5-0? and oh. Yeah, I, I was very... I'm very over grit and grind wins. I want to see some offensive flash. And for the first time 
in my history, I'm watching a team put up 30 plus. It's it's fun as shit. I love it. And people, people outside of Nashville are just now starting to get it. They're just now starting to get it. You're starting to see Dan Orlovsky and some of these other national folks come on and say, man, Ryan Tannehill is playing really good, and maybe we should start to move on away from the the whole, you know, judging him based off of Miami thing. Because whatever happened in Miami, it is not happening here. Um, the regression never came that everyone told us was going to come. Um and here we are. We, we there's a, a top level quarterback that should be in the MVP conversation. I, I think it's still too early to have the MB, MVP conversation. But if you're gonna oh have it, gosh, you he's guys gotta just can't be in enjoy there. anything. Just enjoy. No, it. I'm he's saying MVP. MVP. I'm saying right he, now. If you, all right, we're, if we're gonna say first half MVP, he is. It's him or Russell Wilson to me. That, that's it. Yeah. Uh, those are the only two options. Um, he's playing incredible football. The Titans are putting up crazy stats. This was the best offensive uh, total yards out, out, output in franchise history. Uh, they put up 8.59 yards per play, which is sixth best in franchise history. And that's the third time in the last 16 games that they've gone into the top six of their own franchise's yards per play efficiency stats. So three of, of the top six offensive performances of all time in Titans Oilers history going back to 1960 when the team was founded are from the last 16 games this offense is unfucking believable like I, I can't get over it Derrick Henry's the best running back in the NFL stop with any of the nonsense that's trying to make an argument otherwise um it's fun this is so much fucking fun like who thought uh you know a year ago a year ago we were coming off of a Bills loss, right? Uh, last week was the Bills loss. So this would have been the Denver game? We would this have been headed was... into the Denver game. Oh, headed, yeah, which, headed into the which Denver Which nearly game. broke the three of us. <laughs> yes. If y'all if y'all have been around the podcast for a while, and thank you if you have, uh, that, that podcast after the Denver game was one of the most depressing and upset just like congregations of the three of us that we've ever had. And uh, it was just, I mean, I, we could barely get through it without just saying, fuck it, why are we even doing a podcast about this loser-ass team? And now here we are, you know, one year later, and it, this is one of the best teams in football with unbelievable quarterback play. And we're just, it's a offense, it's the greatest show on turf out here. Come on. And, and you're right, Lebowski. The thing is, is that we can go, against anybody at any point it feels like we can take the ball if we're behind and go score like I, listen you can tell when i start getting a little uneasy about the game because i kind of like don't tweet about anything <laughs> and there's like that string of the interception the missed field goals and stuff like that and i'm like i'm just silent because i'm just like very nervous at that point but then I see Ryan Tannehill with the ball in his hand and the defense, Jeffrey, Big Jeff, who is having a phenomenal year that will not show up on the box score. And, but like they make these plays, but whenever Ryan Tannehill has the ball in the hand and he steps back to pass, I'm like, well, which guy's going to catch it? Cause someone's going to catch it because it's just how our offense runs. And when we got that minute and 30 seconds or however long it was uh, right before overtime, I was like, oh, I, I looked at, I looked at Huxley and I go, Huxley, you better, better wake up off the couch and watch this because we're about to we're about to tie this game up and go into overtime. 
Yeah. And it's people have made jokes about Titans being the Patriots of the South and that kind of thing. I, <laughs> I don't even want to give it credence, but I can't help it. I mean, just think about the shit we're talking about next man up. I'll, you know, you just got, I mean, even if your main offensive weapons are, are possibly not performing or in the game, you've got people like Ferks are coming in and just putting up fantastic numbers. You've got, uh, he looked Mc- so good. And we're, I, we've always been a pro football or pro Ferkser podcast, but I, just real quick, sorry to interrupt, but that one catch, that diving catch he made with the defender, mm-hmm. like right there at the ball as well, that Ryan Tannehill threw first off other quarterbacks, probably any of the other quarterbacks in Tennessee Titans history would never have thrown that ball, except for maybe Steve McNair and Warren moon. If you want to include Warren moon and in all this, but besides them to the, the big gap of the last 20 years, right, no quarterback would have thrown that pass. But Ferkser's catch was amazing. I just wanted to throw that out there. I mean, no, he, it's, he balled, he balled. This is not just us. He balled out the series where Henry came off the field for a couple and they put in McNichols. McNichols just went out there and didn't just do his thing. He get two or three yards. It was ripping off 10 yard runs, 12 yard gains. And it's, it truly is next man up. And then pass that into the head coaching. I've, I'm, I'm going to say this carefully, especially with the way we open our podcast with that ad read, which is still jarring, by the way. Um, I've never been more attracted to a head coaching group than I'm right now. I can't decide between if Mike Vrabel or Art Smith should get my Valentine. Like, it, it, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little sad watching Art Smith because it's almost like watching someone throw up a magnum opus before they get a head coaching offer, which is coming. This man is not coming back next year. But Vrabel... And the 12-man thing, which I am particularly focusing on, especially because Mike wrote such a great article about it and had such a good tweet series about it. Those, just Art Smith and the way he performs the offense and then Vrabel and his kind of overall control of the team and the little things like <clears throat> ripping off the the 12-man on the field and selling it. it I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm a little speechless. This team, this coaching staff has me confident in a team that I've, I haven't felt this way since high school. I love them both. Don't leave. Don't leave art. Art, we can make this work. We'll he's, figure he's, it out. What, what dual head coach? We could be two. It'd be like the office. You could be co-regional managers. There you go. There you go. They would co, uh, co-head coach, Arthur Smith. Co-head coach. Um, I, I love what art's doing in, but let me say Vrabel I think is really the key to all of this. Um, I think he, one, he lead, he leads the team, right? It's, it is a group that is 100% totally bought in um, to whatever he's saying, whatever the rest of the coaching staff, coaching staff is saying, uh, they are all in on some Mike Vrabel. And yeah, the two point or the two 12 men on the field thing was genius. Um, like, I, I don't even know. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, well, I do that in Madden all the time. Well, yeah, that's great when you're playing Madden in your underwear, you know, sitting there with a bowl of Cheetos next to you. He's out here managing a 53-man NFL Red team. Mountain Dew. <laughs> that's right. Uh, he's out here managing an NFL football team on a sideline. So there's a lot of shit going on. And he has the presence of mind to take Josh Kalu, no, noticing it's second and one. They're already in field goal range. The five yards doesn't really matter. Uh, and you need that time, that, that time is a crucial element. He just throws Josh Kalu in the game and says, hey, go stand on the field. And Jonathan Joseph is standing there going, 
what the fuck, bro? Like you can see him. He looks back at he looks back at Vrabel uh, on the TV broadcast. The you know, good job by CBS uh, catching that. But Joseph looks back at Vrabel and he's like, what 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 is he doing out here? Because Kalu is not a regular part of the defensive <laughs> rotation, uh, and so he's just out there standing there. Uh, Vrabel's like assuring them it's okay, like very very subtly, and then like. They kind of line up. Joseph's standing there with his hands on his hips. He knows a play is not about to happen. And then Vrabel starts freaking out about getting somebody off the field, selling the whole thing, making it look like he's mad so that Cornell doesn't get the idea that the jig is up over there uh, so that he would decline the penalty. It's all brilliant. It's all so well done. And that play, that move legitimately saved the time that they needed to go win the game. I mean, they scored with four seconds left. That saved them at least 40 seconds, what he did. Um, unbelievable situational coaching, unbelievable awareness. Mike Vrabel should be the coach of the year right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's he's unbelievable. And people are just now, I think, starting to recognize what an unbelievable coach we have here in Nashville right now. Speaking of Mike and Mike's and Mike's, a few episodes ago, you said, Mike Herndon, that you would take Mike Zimmer over Mike Vrabel. What? Oh, you no, said that he no, was no, a no, better no, no. coach. You would say I said he, he's got a better track record. No, you. We were talking about top five coaches, top ten coaches, and you would have Zimmer over Vrabel. This was before the season started. Where do you stand now? Do you take back your Mike slander and apologize to our Mike? I mean, Vrabel, of course, is better than Zimmer at yeah. this point. Yeah, he's, he's certainly passed him. Fuck Mike Zimmer. What a loser he is. <laughs> he, he would exactly. never make the in fact, he makes 10 times worse choices than Mike Vrabel does every game. The the bad choices Mike Zimmer makes in one game trumps all years of Mike Vrabel. Like Mike Vrabel doesn't make that many mistakes all year that the same that Zimmer does in poor game management. Vrabel's amazing. I mean, he's been amazing. But you're right, this team's bought in. And a move like that just buys in, the, the team buys in more. Because then they see that their coach is like super smart and conniving and a little like trollish. Like, <laughs> like to me, that's like it, this generation of players buy into that kind of stuff, right? I mean, like small little moves like that is fun. And that was Kalu's only defensive snap, by the way. The one defensive snap that he played was that one right there. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was he was activated for this game right before. Was that Kareem Orr? I can't can't remember th th which one it was, but uh, Chris Jackson was a healthy scratch, and one of those guys got elevated. It almost makes me wonder if he didn't just elevate Kalux. Kalux that good of an actor, or something that we're just not <laughs> aware of. Like his uh, Oscar winning yeah. skills over there on the sideline. And spare me the tweets about. I think Arthur Smith is the kind of Art Smith's the kind of guy. I think he'll he won't just jet. I think he doesn't want to leave things unfinished and he'll he'll stay here because he likes it here and stuff. He won't want to just, you know, jump at the first opportunity. Uh, name me one offensive coordinator that's going to turn down a head coaching opportunity that's not Josh McDaniels who didn't turn down his first head coaching job opportunity. Give me a break. He is leaving. Just yeah. just reconcile with it right now and enjoy the ride. Like it's the last 
this is the last time we'll see Art Smith on the Tennessee Titans sideline. It's going to be okay because I trust Vrabel. I trust the process. And just deal with it. Quit putting out these tweets about that, oh, Art Smith is such a nice guy. He's going to turn down millions of dollars to stay here in Tennessee. No, that's not how it's going to work. That's how it's never worked. Just just roll with it. I mean, yeah, I he mean, is the, the best offensive coordinator we've ever had, for sure. Just, just enjoy the moment we're in. Yeah, just enjoy, enjoy the moment it. we're in. This is, it, it's like you have found that hot girl or hot guy for the summer. You know she's moving to Washington State on October the 1st. Yeah. Just fucking deal with what you just have a good time right now. Stop worrying about that. Have a good time right now. Um, the only person who's not having a good time, though, unfortunately, Taylor Wan uh, announced himself that he did tore, tear an ACL, which, by the way, I really like and admire, and I do mean this seriously, that Lawan wants to put the news out himself, especially with the scramble these days of you know, an agent tells a reporter to, and then all of a sudden you got people clamoring over themselves to get the information. He wants to get it out himself. I, I really, I, I, I like that he does that, but he did confirm me as a torn ACL. Obviously he's out for the season. This is the ultimate next man up. Um, are the Titans you able to handle it? I, I mean, I think so. I'll let Mike get into the specifics real quick, but uh, Ty Sambrello, Brelo or whatever you, his last name is Sombrero. Uh, the the wow. Titans sombrero. Uh, he did, but outside of that first snap, which obviously was poor uh, planning on the Tennessee Titans play calling part, I will say, um, where he just got bum rushed by JJ Watt. I mean, that was going to be expected. It's his first snap of the game. He's a little cold. Outside of that, if you go back and watch plays, Ty is kind of manhandling some Texans defenders and opening up holes and just, you know, doing a pretty good job for fill-in duty. And I will say this, Alan Bell, uh, at Alan Bell 247 on Twitter, uh, he threw up some stats. Uh, the Titans offense with and without Taylor Lewan on the field since the beginning of 2019. Now, some of these will include Marcus being the quarterback in these stats. Um, yards per attempt, 8.8 .8 with Taylor Lewan. Passer rating, 112 with Taylor Lewan. Quarterback pressure percentage, 27% with Taylor Lewan. Without Taylor Lewan, 7.9 yards per attempt, so 0.9 less. 104 passer rating, so uh, eight points less. And quarterback pressure percentage, 34%, so 7% more. That's not that bad, and we have a better fill-in. Well, no, we 2019, we still had Conklin, and Kelly was on the left. so. We we got to get Isaiah Wilson ready. He's not going to be ready for this game. If he is out there in this game, that could be the worst-case scenario for the Tennessee Titans. I think the Titans sombrero is going to be fine. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to say it. I, I think uh, Sambrello uh, is okay. Um, he did have the terrible snap. Like you said, they put him in a bad spot. I mean, he was coming off the bench cold without getting – hardly any practice reps, uh, and he gets to come in on a third and 20 uh, matched up with J.J. Watt rushing off the edge at him. So good luck, buddy. Um, you know, it, it's not surprising. Now, next time, if you ever have a chance to fall on a fumble and you're an offensive oh. lineman, 
fall your fat ass on that football. Do not try to pick it up and run with it. What, what do you think you're trying to do there? Like your 13, 315 pound ass is going to run 25 yards for a first down. Get out of here, Ty. But anyways, besides that play, he actually played good. He played pretty good. And he's been in the game a lot recently, right? I mean, Lawan left the Buffalo game with a shoulder issue. He left the Minnesota game with a shoulder issue. He left the Denver game with a knee issue. So lawan has been knocked out of the game four out of the f- last five games for at least some stretch. He was only out for like 11 plays against Denver. Um, but some of them have been longer. And the Titans offense is still rolling along. I mean, uh, in against Denver – they actually finished one of their two touchdown drives uh, after Lawan went down with Sam Brelo in the game. And then they've continued to put up points. I mean, it's not like Sam Brelo comes in and everything stops for the Titans offense, right? I mean, it's they're continuing to roll. Now, they're going to have to help him more. This is a terrible opponent for them to be without Lawan for because um, now you've got Sam Brelo and Kelly going against mm-hmm. Bud Dupree and TJ Watt, which is – probably the best edge rushing duo in the NFL. And it doesn't get a whole lot easier when you come inside and you've got Stefan to and Cam Hayward in there. So it's bad timing, but you're, you're just going to have to help Sambrello a little bit. I think, you know, you got a chip, you got to give him, but he's good enough to where he's not going to be a full, he's not going to go with full speed tech on you, right? Like he's not going to just turn into a turnstile that wrecks your entire game plan and you can't do anything anymore. Um, you know, I, I think, I think they'll be okay. And I do think eventually you'd love to see Isaiah Wilson get out there and maybe you flip Kelly over to the left side, but flipping from, and this is, this is something I've wanted to talk about, but flipping from one side of the line to the other, not always as easy as it sounds. I mean, they're, the one, the way I've heard it put before from a former offensive lineman is it's like, you know how you eat your steak, you, you've got your cut hand, your, your knife hand and your, your fork hand, right? Yeah. So you, you always cut it with the same hand. Imagine trying to eat steak, but you're cutting it with the opposite hand. So you're like, for me, I always cut with my left hand and trying to like doing that, that motion. It, it's just different. You don't have the muscle memory there. It, it would take a little bit. Now imagine you're trying to cut that steak and TJ Watt is rushing at you. Um, so I don't think it's quite as easy as people make it sound. That, oh, you just flip Kelly over to the left side and boom, 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 it's done. You know, he's, he's been playing on the right side for most, like most of the last couple of years here. Um, he's now in a groove with uh, Nate Davis on that right side. You don't want to mess with that chemistry. You don't want to make him cut a steak with his left hand. Let's leave Kelly alone for a little bit over there at right tackle and see what Sam Braylo can do. I just am imagining TJ Watt with a Subway sandwich in his hand, <laughs> rushing to screaming at you to eat fresh while you're trying to eat your steak. I just got, I've got a middle image of Zach with a half-eaten ribeye hanging out of his face as TJ Watt's chasing him to the house. <laughs> but so... You know, I, I it's a really thorough answer, and I appreciate that, Mike. It's the only reason why we have you on here, by the way. We don't like you. We just want you on here for your information. But <laughs> I, I know that. It's, <clears throat> I, I do feel like it's it's going to be a – this is the roughest possible game for the next man up scenario. But, you know, again, to go back to our earlier statements in the, uh, in the podcast, I'm not overly concerned that the Titans are going to just not show up overall yeah well preparation right i mean this team is going to be prepared they know what they got and and look 
you know, I want to get back in a little bit in Isaiah Wilson, and there's some other, like, trash takes I've seen lately. But, you know, you're right, Lebowski. I mean, this team, like you said, is different, and it's they're going to be prepared. Yeah, I'm not, I'm just, again, I'm not overly concerned about, like you said, about the preparation part. I mean, it does, it does suck that it is going into the Steelers game. But again, this team just ripped off a win against the Bills after having to prepare for two weeks, primarily over Zoom. Uh, so, and and not just barely beat the Bills, they beat the absolute shit out of them, which Bills fans are still crying and I'm still looking up the tweets and I'm still soaking them in. The worst fan base in the league. I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The Bills fan base is the worst fan base in the league. They're just babies. Anyways, I don't want to get off on that. But uh, so it, this team just got done preparing for a Bills eventual win over Zoom. I'm not worried about them actually, you know, now that they're going to have an actual week to prepare for the Steelers. I think I, I do feel like the, the Titans are going to be able to hold their own, but we'll see. This truly is the toughest matchup that the Titans have had so far. Accomplishing six and zero off of this would be pretty, pretty damn remarkable. And really it's the Steelers <clears throat> toughest matchup too. I mean, they've had a pancake yeah. cupcake of a schedule, whatever you want to call it. Pancake of a schedule. <laughs> pancake of a schedule. It's very flat, a very flat schedule. And listen, listen, this whole that Isaiah Wilson has to play this game or he's a bust is is not correct. You're talking about a guy who missed over 21 days of practice in the middle of the season, not to mention everything that he missed in the regular season. Now, reports from Coach Vrabel says that he's in shape and he's exactly where we want him to be health-wise. Does not mean that he's in where he wants to, him to be in game-wise. I mean, you're going to throw him out there against the likes of Bud Dupree and um, uh, shit, TJ Watt and all these guys uh, in his first game. It would be a disaster. At this point, Tyson Brelo, hey, I said it. Tyson Brelo has played all of his snaps at left tackle, except for he has one snap at tight end. He's allowed 7.2% of pressure rate. And that's pretty good for a guy who has not, Who's always who always comes in off the bench, right? He's never. I don't think he's ever started the game. To to my, did he start the Minnesota not, game? No, not in not in Tennessee. Okay. He hasn't started one. Okay, so like, it's it's not hard, guys. Like this is the part that kills me about Titans Twitter. It's Ty Sombrello and it's Dennis Kelly are is starting against the Steelers. These these things where I I know that Mike Vrabel feeds it a little bit by saying that, oh, we we thought about moving Dennis Kelly to left tackle. Sure, maybe. But your best option is to put Ty Sembrello in and let him roll and be fresh and be and start the game hot, uh, you know, start the game. The other stupid thing I've seen on Twitter this week, just by far the most stupid thing I've seen in a long time, is that we should trade for Logan Ryan. What? Oh, what? Oh, he knows the defense and, you know, he can really help this defense. Listen, he's allowing more catches than Jonathan Joseph. He's and he's a safety right now because he can't play cornerback. He's not very good. Let it go. Let Logan Ryan go. Quit. You know who we should trade for? 
like James Bradbury or something. Like, let's trade for a good player and not trade for an overpaid safety and put him back in a slot where he's going to get continually burned. He cannot help this team. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The, the Logan Ryan thing is is ridiculous. The, if they sir. wanted him, if they wanted him to play in the slot for this football team, they could have had him do that. They chose not to do that. They chose to pursue other options and go down a different path. And that they're not going to change their mind after five games. I, I don't care what the defense does look like. Um, Adoree Jackson, obviously being out, is that's that's the Calvary, right? Like you're not fixing the defense by trading for Logan Ryan, you're waiting for a Dory Jackson to come back. Dory Jackson's a better player. Um, he's going to help you more when he is healthy than Logan Ryan would. So if you think trading for Logan Ryan is going to magically fix the defense, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, honestly. And, and, and also giving someone the title on this staff, a defensive coordinator, is it going to fix it either? Because I mean, you don't need that at this point. All it is, is a, is a title. We, we we know how the defenses ran. We know what the who's calling the plays. You know for the most part, we we know what's going on on defense. All you're doing is giving someone a title. Do you think all of a sudden naming Shane Bowen defensive coordinator? Oh, Shane, you're our defensive coordinator. Malcolm Butler is going to go. Oh, now I know not to freelance when I don't have safety help because I, he's named defensive coordinator. I I get it now. I I got it. I, got I wasn't it, listening to him before because I thought he was just the outside linebackers coach. Like, yeah, do you the, think, the, do you, it's like do you they think just Malcolm had to Butler's, find something to complain about. Like, <laughs> you think Butler comes off the field when he gets burned by Fuller for a touchdown and looks at Brable and goes, I mean, I don't have a DC. So, yeah. <laughs> what do you want me to do out there? It doesn't say DC on his, uh, his name tag, it just says linebackers coach. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know I what to, do. to just run around like a chicken with my head cut off. As I realized my coverage was off, I, I thought to myself, I don't have a fucking DC. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. Fuller, very distracting. That's all you, baby. That's like, just go ahead and score. Um, so the last thing I want to get into with the Steelers um, before I transition to a topic I was going ham on about Twitter last night, which was uh, the NFC East being on primetime, the assholes. Um, Mike, is there anything else about the Steelers that worries you um, about this game? That the Titans are not going to end up going six and zero. Is this the is this the end of the Titans' undefeated party? Well, you know, I don't think it is. I think the Titans have every chance to win this game. They're they're going to come out. They're going to be prepared, like we've talked about. The offense. Here's the thing. It's a it's a matchup of a great offense versus a great defense, right? And generally, when that happens, the offense tends to overcome. I mean, that's that's it's an offense led league at this point. And if you have a strong offense, it's just going to show up more consistently. Uh, defenses have bad weeks, um, even, even good ones. So I think, I think the Titans are going to come out and play well. I, I don't see any reason to, to think that this is not going to be a competitive game or, or even a, a game where the Titans will have a chance to win it late. And if they do have a chance to win it late, I think you should have every faith in Ryan Tannehill and this offense coming through. I mean, Eventually, they're going to have a game where they probably don't. But, um, I mean, they're showing time and time again right now that they're very capable uh, of taking it down and, and getting the points that they need when they need them. Yeah, the Steelers' defense has faced the second easiest schedule overall when it comes to offense efficiency. So, total offense efficiency. This was heading into uh, the Sunday game. So, this isn't updated for Sunday, but they played a hapless Cleveland Browns offense that – 
just they just wrecked Baker. I mean, they put in Case Keenum at one point. I mean, how bad is this Cleveland team versus the Steelers? So, like, they weren't being very efficient with the ball. But they have faced the fourth best or fourth weakest pass pass offenses and the third weakest run offenses. So they they faced weak, inefficient offenses. Now this is not to say, oh well, T.J. Watt's overrated, Bud Dupree's overrated. They're not very good players, as it suggests. They're very good players, but they're coming against probably I would the the most efficient or second most efficient offense in the league the best offense they've seen, and this is the best defense we've seen. I I think this is going to be a very, very fun game, and I think it's going to be a close game. The the, the key is is that the Steelers start out really slow on offense, so we, we have to start out fast. We have to score as many points as we can uh, right away and try to slow down not really Juju Smith-Schuster. We need to be worried about Chase Claypool. I don't know who you put on Chase Claypool besides uh, a cornerback and a safety because he's so big. You're going to have to bracket coverage over to him. But I- I'll say this. Th- their run defense is really, really good. And Derrick Henry is going to have to churn out and have and be really tough, especially on third and one. They shoot uh, T.J. Watt. They keep TJ Watt a little bit back off the line of scrimmage and they shoot him into the A gap on like third and ones and fourth and ones right up the middle to the running back. So he gets a running start and just smacks the running back. Now, whether that's good for him, if he's running into Derrick Henry or not, but we're going to have to, and I'm sure we will, but the Titans are going to have to um, come up with some game plans. And listen, Titans fans on Twitter, I plead, no matter how bad it gets at the start of the game, Let's let's calm down and let's wait till the fourth fourth quarter to panic. You know, at that point, I, I think we're gonna win this game. I like I've said, we're going undefeated. Nineteen, no, I'm I'm riding on that train. Titans, nineteen, no, can't stop it. But I, I, it will be a tough game. It'll be the toughest matchup. And whoever comes out on top here, I saw Baltimore fans talking about, well, we really need Kansas City to lose so we could be the number one in the AFC, uh, bro. The Titans are around and the Steelers are around. Like Ravens, you guys are mediocre right now. You all need to get your shit together before you start stepping up into the elite of the uh, AFC where the Steelers, Chiefs, and Titans reign supreme. Uh, I, I I do agree that Titans fans need to just you know chill out. Don't start freaking out if, if the Titans get down early. It, it, this I expect this to be a very hard-fought, contentious game, so don't, don't freak out. You got to believe in the system all the way through to the end of the game. Um, I, I guess my final thoughts are, I, like you said, I'm, I'm interested to see how Henry does against this run defense. And then kind of overall, if the Titans are able to pull this up, if the Titans lose and go five and one, it's not the worst thing in the world, but if the Titans do end up going six and oh, I'm going to be at that point interested to see how far they truly could take that undefeated streak, because this will be the toughest, it'll be the toughest team we face so far. So it will be very interesting to see. Um, Speaking of not tough teams, the late game last night, um, Andy Dalton is crap. I don't want to watch Andy Dalton anymore, and I don't want to watch NFC East teams. And That was one of the most boring Monday night football games I've seen in a long time. It was just just the most boring. It was so hard to watch, and it got me going through and doing my yearly bitching segment of 
why the NFL puts NFC East teams on TV. And for those that are going to start coming, oh, well, it's, you know, market value and they bring the most money and most viewership. I don't give a shit. This is my rant and you're going to listen to me. So these are just a small little selection. I tweeted this out last night of, of NFC East crap fest games that we're going to have to deal with. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not just NFC East. This is just kind of a prime time schedule we have coming up. October 22nd, Eagles versus Giants, garbage. October 29th, Panthers versus Falcons, garbage. November 1st, Eagles versus Cowboys, garbage. November 9th, Jets versus Patriots. The Patriots are going to throw torsos into the lower bowl. November 26th, Ravens versus Cowboys, Cowboys are garbage. December 20th, Cowboys versus 49ers. Again, the Cowboys are garbage. And I'm leaving out two other games, which is November 2nd, New York Giants versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay is going to be throwing body parts into the stands. November 30th, Philadelphia Eagles versus the Seattle Seahawks. You want to talk about Russell Wilson cooking? He's going to be cooking with split open torsos in that game. Like, stop putting NFC East teams on TV. I'm sorry. It's every single year we put NFC East teams on primetime, and it's not fun to watch. The leader of the NFC East right now is the Cowboys team that got dismantled last night at two and four. Two and four. The Cowboys are in the running to host a playoff game. Why? I get that it's hard to predict what teams are going to be good, but who who looked at the New York Jets and the New York Giants? And I know it's the New York market, but at some point you got to allow other markets to grow, right? I mean, I mean, no. Do you? Is it really that many people outside really want to tune in to watch the Giants and Jets? I mean, if it wasn't New York, for New Yorkers, don't want to watch those teams. Yeah. Listen, no. come on. The only reason I stayed up watching this game was for the Amari Cooper garbage touchdown, so I could beat Lebowski in fantasy football in our in the a horrible, horrible low scoring matchup. We struggled so mightily this week, and I, all I needed was that one touchdown. And I got it at the very end. If I would have got that touchdown two quarters earlier, I would have turned off the TV. Like, I wouldn't have even cared. It was atrocious. It was, we saw the worst 19 play drive ever last night. And now we get to see Andy Dalton on primetime even more. And I get it. Dallas was supposed to be good, right? Like, but, and this defense is just in shambles. And you can't predict stuff like that. But that's why we have the flex option, right? You've already the, the NFL be schedule. Able to flex all of them. Too, Listen, by the way, the Not NFL the NFL schedule is is fucked anyway, right? COVID came through and <laughs> and fucked it. Who cares if it's gonna confuse players and throw them out of their sink or whatever? Get us some good primetime games. I mean, for the love of God, do you remember a few years ago they had the hapless Chicago Bears in like seven primetime games and they were like legit primetime games like Monday night and Thursday night and Sunday night and they were horrible. I think it was a Jay Cutler led Bears too. But listen, when you look at the schedule and you see that Adam Gase coaches a team, that team should be banned from really having any kind of football games regardless, televised, but they should be relegated to noon games only. The fact that last Sunday was the Jets versus Dolphins and who what was the other game? Packers, Buccaneers were the two games, the only two afternoon games, the only two 425. Like who, who is in charge of scheduling that they can't get a grip that the Jets and Dolphins should have been a noon game? It's always it, all, all Jets games, noon games until further notice. Yeah, actually, let's just put the Jets on at like midnight. 
I mean, nobody nobody needs to see that shit. I saw, I saw someone suggest on Twitter that the Jets should be put on at the London Times, London Time yeah. games, 7 a.m. in the morning, so that you wake up, you're having a cup of coffee, and you're like, am I watching the fourth quarter of a Jets game? What? What is this? Listen, and- here's a, here's a revenue idea for the for the NFL. Get a get the Jets and sign them up with the CW, and the, all games for the Jets will be on the CW. They're they're uh, they're following Smallville. Yeah, and I would I, look. I'm sympathetic to the Cowboys because I get it. I mean, Dak Prescott going out does hurt, but again, we <laughs> opened the show with this. Dak Prescott getting injured did not ruin that defense. That's just a team that didn't show up. And now we get to look forward to three more games. But between the Eagles and the Cowboys alone, that's six primetime games. Uh, between the Eagles and the Cowboys, not not them playing each other, but that one of those teams is going to be on the field, either the Eagles or the Cowboys. The Jets were scheduled two primetime games this year. Who in their right mind going into their season thought that the Jets were primetime material? I, I just The NFL has got to get out of this. It's big market. It draws in ratings because Zach's exactly right. The only people who were watching that game last night, if you had fantasy football interest or if you're a gambling degenerate or you're a combination of the two, that's the only two people who finished watching it. And I am one of the two because I watched that whole game last night just so that Amari Cooper could rip my fucking heart out because Andy Dalton just had to throw this man a touchdown. Why? Why are you making a drive there? You're down three scores and you just had to throw it to Amari and, Cooper. And can we talk about that? They they did three pass plays in a row at, oh, at they were on the one so yard line? Hard. What? They were trying so hard. I mean, it was like, how many tries does Andy Dalton need to complete one pass in the end zone? Yeah, now, y'all probably haven't heard this quote, so I want to I want to read this quote for you. So, the uh, Doug Peterson was asked about being five and zero on Thursday Night Football since becoming Eagles head coach, and Doug Peterson says, "My my wife tells me all the time that you know you can put a game plan together in a day and go win a game on Thursday night. Why can't you do that for a Sunday game?" Ooh, ooh, Jeannie Peterson with the burn of the year on her own husband. She must have been an Eagles fan growing up because that's like an Eagles fan kind of statement to make. And to call out your own husband and say, hey, your team sucks this year pretty much. And if even if you win on Thursday, big whoop, go win on Sunday. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful disaster happening in the Eagles. And Carson Wentz sucks. He looks broken. They're out without Miles Sanders now. They're, Travis Fulgham is like their leading receiver. Do you think? Get them off primetime, please. <laughs> do you think like uh, Peterson like forgot to take out the garbage or something like that? And Jeannie was like, oh, well, you, you don't have time to take out the garbage. Oh, I'm sorry. What were you doing? Preparing for your football games that are going so well? <laughs> She just had to blast that out there. <laughs> so the best thing I saw on Twitter around the Eagles game, they play the Ravens the, on Sunday. Yeah. Did they play the Ravens. So in the upper upper deck, and it looks like they're in like Mount Everest or the top of the upper deck. This Eagles fan is crawling over multiple seats, not to fight a Ravens fan, to fight another Eagles fan. And as they're slugging it out, it was a pretty good fight. They're beating the shit out of each other. There are fans not trying to separate them. They're screaming and clapping and someone off camera is yelling, birds, go birds. And it just is the, it's the comedic shithole that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Your own fans are in the upper deck during the pandemic, beating the shit out of each other to the delight of other Eagles fans. (laughs) 
I just I can't even finish that statement. It's so fucking stupid. That team does not belong. It does not belong on primetime. Your own fans don't want to be there. They just want to beat the shit out of each other. The 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 panning to all the Dallas fans was really great last night, by the it way. It was. It was. That was actually worth staying up for. It was was just the shots of the very upset Cowboys fans during that final drive. And I was trying to I was trying to go back and clip it. I did was man I managed to catch one, but I saw three different jerseys in the stands towards the end there. I saw some idiot wearing a Rams jersey. I saw someone wearing a Cleveland Browns jersey, and I saw a Cincinnati Bengals jersey. I couldn't. They were so quick. I couldn't go back and catch them, but I did get the Rams jersey. Just the idiot cowboy fan base is so good. It's just like watching this corporate structure mayhem of just failure in the stands. And then they always, I do love the fact that primetime always goes right to the Jerry Jones box and Jerry Jones is always concerned and you know, he's going to call into that damn radio station and he's probably on the radio this morning in Dallas rambling and shambling about God knows what, but I do, if nothing else, the NFC East always does give us Eagles fans beating the shit out of their own in the stands and Cowboys fans and the Cowboys owners and their delicious ass tears as their expectations are crushed again. And someone put out a poll last night. I'll end the podcast with this. Someone put out a poll last night that actually made me pause. And I'm sorry, Mike, to do this to you. Which fan base pines for the 90s the most? The Tennessee oh, Volunteers God. or the Dallas Cowboys. And I actually had to stop before I thought about it and voted. And I voted Dallas Cowboys. As much as I like to rag on Tennessee fans and the one championship, there is no fan base out there that wants to bring back the 90s more than the Dallas Cowboys and will live off of those Super Bowl trophies long, long after Jerry Jones is gone. The graphic that they put up last night of the uh, years or the the teams who had not been to a conference championship game since I think it was like 96 or something like that. And whenever the last time the Cowboys had gone and there was only like eight teams and they were mostly the dregs of the NFL. Um, that was pretty eye opening. The Cowboys have. It's been a long time since they were good, and it's amazing that they're still this relevant. I guess that's a testament to the brand that, that Jerry Jones built. but. God, it is. It's been a suffering for those fans, and uh, I'm here for it because they're obnoxious. Zach, I'm going to throw this at you just because I can, and I just saw it pop up on my screen. Um, other BroadwaySportsMedia.com alum, Jonathan Boren, put it in our Twitter message group. Spider Verse, name 20 things that Miles Morales can do that Peter Parker can. Number one, hug his parents. Oh, that's cold. That's very cold. <laughs> I just wanted to see your reaction because I know you love love a good cover book reference. Um, that's going to do it for us. This has been fun. It's been a long time since we've uh, been able to just record football and other efforts in the uh, manner that we want. If we're going to continue to do that, uh, we are brought to you, as always, by broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have podcasts like this. We have great articles from people like Michael Herndon and John Glennon. Please come check it out. Broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come get yourself a premium membership today. We appreciate you tuning in and you've been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.